of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 266. Jason Lingren is with me, and Alana Freeland is back. If you folks remember, uh, she was on, I don't know, some weeks ago. Uh, she actually gave me the introduction to Michael Hoffman, who will be coming back when he does the sequel to Psychological Warfare, which is an important book. But Alana's been writing some books of her own. She's independent. She's broken away from her publisher. Um, so uh, I'm going to get Jason in here, and we're going to welcome Alana, and she's going to lay down her book titles, where you can get them, and maybe a website or something like that. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a fine stormy good morning it is. I think I said all those words, and I didn't mention that we're going to be covering, uh, how did you phrase it? Was it geoengineering? Geoengineering. Geoengineering, and that'll creep into ideas of telecom, transhumanism, and other things. Uh, and I believe, she'll correct me if I'm wrong, that's the topic of her most recent book. Anyhow, welcome again, Jason. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this topic. So you just got back from Plattober. Um, you've been doing a few things. You're shooting a film with Dr. Kaufman. Uh, anything to add? Well, I don't have any other information yet for the next stage of the film shooting, so I guess we'll just move forward. All right, let's jump in. Welcome, Alana. Thank you for having me back. So let's do our due diligence and not forget. Why don't you tell folks where they can find you? Probably a website is better than an email unless you want to be pummeled. Um, and also state the titles of your books and where people can find them. And also, Alana, the day this goes live, um, I'll, I'll have to see where we go, whether our one can run on YouTube. But on YouTube, you can go post your links there. And of course, you have a login for crow777radio.com. And we want to post those links to your past work and upcoming work. Okay, yeah, and you'll have to guide me through that. I'm I'm pretty techno twittish. So the website is ilanafreeland.com. Thanks to my web mistress who keeps it going. I hardly ever have time to go there. There is the occasional blog that I um, have her put up, and all my subjects and topics are there. Now uh, for the books, you can get them there at the website ilanafreeland.com. Or you can go to Evil um, <clears throat> Amazon, or you can uh, order them directly from Feral House, particularly the ones that have to do with geoengineering. The first one I did was in 2014, and that was Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. Then that one gave birth to yet another level of national security which I covered in the 2018 book, Under an Ionized Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. And um, now I am finishing the third book, which was morphed out of the second book and the Space Fence Lockdown. And this one has the title Geoengineered Transhumanism, how the environment has been weaponized with uh, chemicals, electromagnetics, and nanotechnology for synthetic biology. And I know I'm famous for my short titles, but um, those, this book, we, it's as though if you would picture for those books, I started out with a funnel at the wide end and things got through the funnel and then the wide end narrowed to the second book and now I'm narrowed to the very culmination 
of the weaponizing of our environment, our entire planetary environment, uh, to the uh, transhumanist <clears throat> synthetic biology that's going on right now as we sit here inside our bodies and brains. Um, then the other half of me did 10 years of research into MKUltra and other uh, underbelly things that, you know, Michael Hoffman, for one person, helped me with immensely uh, with his writings, pointing me in a certain direction. And um, those that came out in my historical series, which is done in a fictional format. But you know how that goes with fiction, fiction and mythology and history, her story. They're all sort of connected. That's my Sub Rosa America series that I wrote over a period of 20 years uh, and finally got up uh, on my own. It's just on Amazon. Uh, and I highly recommend it for studying the history of the United States since the end of World War II and specifically since the murder of John Fitzgerald Kennedy in the streets of Dallas. So those are all available on Amazon and many other places as well. Um, and um, I think that's primarily, those are the only books I've written other than I am a ghost writer. I write people's books for them for money. Okay, we should, just so people know, if we're having a guest on or you meet someone who's written books and you go to a publisher to buy the book, the person who created that content's getting very little money. If you go to Amazon, it's a little more money, but they're still taking a cut. So when a guest offers their private website, like we did with Michael Hoffman, uh, that gets the creator of the content the best paycheck they can get for the work they've done. And also, if I heard that correctly, the only place you can get Sub Rosa is on Amazon. But the other things, just say your, your website one more time, please, Alana. Okay, ilanafreeland.com. And if you have something to say, there is a website available on there. I mean, an email site that you can uh, also, I w I'm pretty good about keeping up with that email site. Okay, well, from the tone and tenor of what we've done in the opening moments here i'm reasonably sure this is not running on uh on youtube so we'll put a bumper up and everything will run on my private server i just got censored for a, a episode we did on tuning forks and sound waves i challenged that censorship and they wrote me back google wrote me back and said well you haven't violated any rules but we're still censoring you so i'm <laughs> guessing if we just say the word chemtrail um and the problem here you know people don't get it who are content creators, you build these big audiences like I have on YouTube and you have a responsibility and they say, well, why don't you just run it? Well, do you want the channel to go away? <laughs> um, Sergeant report. I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of followers he had. And he's just talking about politics of all things. He got whacked. And by the way, I should mention uh, freedom of speech is not measured by agreement. <laughs> and I've said this so much over the last month. It doesn't matter if you agree with the person being censored or not. If it can happen to them, it can happen to you. So basically, if they're not harming anyone. Anyhow, back on track here. Where yeah. would you like to jump in, Alana? Where's a good place to start? Well, if uh, we're doing geoengineering, so let me start how I arrived where I am now. Because... Uh, where I am now in writing this third and last book is um, it is so it is so radical and it is so hidden 
that um, I know I, I blow minds when I bring up what's really going on because most people think that when you bring up the word geoengineering, uh, you're talking about solar radiation management, you're talking about ameliorating global warming, you're talking about climate change and, you know, trying to um, shift it around to be better because we're all bad and we're all have cars that produce ca- carbons. And and they, they've been, you know, that was yet another cover story uh, that in 2015 was made into a sort of universal law and it it's really quite different. So um, let me say that, yeah, let's talk a little about the weather. And then I'm going to completely depart from the weather to what is in the atmosphere and what is being done to the atmosphere and why it is being done. And um, that's where things get pretty interesting when you already know that my basic theme, and I discovered this through writing books and doing a lot of research uh, into this national security issue, uh, and uh, that the environment itself is being transformed in order to, one of the very first reasons is to transform the human being. So let me prove that to the best of my ability. Okay, so I started out looking at what are known as chemtrails a long time ago. I I was uh, ten over ten years ago. I was doing research for my Sub Rosa America series, and I was covering. I had files on just about everything. I had like a hundred different files, and um, and I was uh, reading, reading, reading many, many books, many uh, essays. Uh, not yet aware of the pivotal central role that uh, the the so called chemtrails were uh, were involved in. I just thought it was weather manipulation, just like a lot of people in that particular internet movement. So I became friends with Clifford Carnicum, the independent scientist who really was the first scientist uh, to begin to collect data from jets that were flying in the upper atmosphere and he could see them very well because he was in northern New Mexico. So the skies then were relatively still clear. Uh, that would be in the 90s. And he um, he did notice, being scientifically minded, he had worked for the Department of Defense. He had worked for the Bureau of Land Management and had retired from all those uh, to do his own science uh, and not be part of those institutions. Um, so he noticed that the uh, what he thought were contrails, condensation trails coming out of the backs of jets, were really, they didn't have the right signature to be just water vapor, ice crystals, and particulates. Just didn't, just didn't, they lasted too long. They, he noticed their pattern was to turn into a, an effusive, uh, semi-obscure cloud cover. And when they came out the backs of the uh, jet's engines, it appeared um, that they had a chemical composition. So uh, so we began to collect rainwater, dew, et cetera. 
and stuff that was accumulating in his HEPA filter. Well, it turned out that in both the precipitation and the and the HEPA filter, the the stuff was uh, had fibers in it, and he began to, with his very uh, humble equipment that he had then. He began to look at it under a microscope and start to use chemicals and uh, and sort of natural things that in petri dishes to to make uh, different kinds of uh, environments for these fibers to see what they were made of to break into them in other words and so he uh, that's about when i met him um and he had established a what he called the red wine test whereby you slosh red wine in your mouth and you spit it into a clean jar or dish uh and then either you let it uh evaporate uh, so you could see what's in it or um or you simply observe really closely and see what you see and I was one of the people that did that, and uh, I saw these fibers uh, that were not from my mouth because I had cleaned my mouth and my teeth very well. Uh, they they were moving in the petri dish. Well, that was uh, that definitely got my attention, and I hadn't really done much with biology since I graduated from my undergrad, where it was my second major, uh, and now I. I uh, I became closer friends with Clifford, and it was around then when Adam Parfrey at Farrell House contacted me and asked if I thought I could write a book on chemtrails. So I began to collect my notes and take notes of uh, Clifford's and my conversations and what we were seeing under the microscope, and I became completely hooked on this because I could see that uh, it became evident that the one thing that really struck me then was that the fiber Clifford had gotten enough into the fiber to see that it was it was a polymer outer crust on this entity, but that inside were other entities that were decidedly not exactly organic but partly organic, and it looked to be that they had been engineered bioengineered. So um, now it was like, oh, they're not just doing these chemical trails to control weather uh, and rain patterns and, um, and all the things that go with manipulating the weather. No, they're actually loading in some way, they're loading biologicals. And then we were hearing stories about some sort of weird goo coming down in Washington state in a little tiny town that was very acidic. And, uh, and then hearing about erythrocytes, uh, red blood cells, uh, blobs of red blood cells dropping in another place. And, you know, and, and when you're dealing with the internet, you think, well, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. Uh, there's no way I can really, I'm not there. I can't really measure this. I can't really look at it. So it was like just collecting hearsay, as much hearsay as possible, because we were definitely on the trail of something. And um, Clifford uh, was very patient with me as he brought me up to speed. Um, and while I was writing the Chemtrails Harp book, we sort of broke down 
a very important patent, a 1987 patent by Bernard Eastland for the HARP instrument, the High Frequency Active Aurora Research Project up in Kokona, Alaska, up near the Arctic Circle, uh, where they had created these, these incredible phased array, a whole phased array antenna farm, and were zapping the ionosphere, which is, you know, um, starts out about 22 miles up and then keeps going up until it until it is sort of taken up into the magnetosphere. So something was definitely going on where they were heating, literally heating the ionosphere to the point that they would sometimes in their experiments with HARP, which was very powerful, uh, they would bubble out the ionosphere and, you know, they could have burst it and who knows what could have happened, but uh, the cowboys uh, were in charge, uh, i.e. CIA and Raytheon at that time. It eventually um, passed to Lockheed Martin, who is, uh, which is still in charge of the space fence that I was telling you about in the title of my book, uh, the last book. So um, so we're on this trail that got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, as you can imagine. And Clifford had a list that I've tweaked many times, and it's an important list. It gives you an idea. Let me just read it off a bit, uh, where you can see that uh, it's not just about weather. The geoengineering programs that David, geoengineer David Keith, who is basically in Bill Gates' back pocket, is in service to. Uh, this this uh, geoengineering program in the United States and possibly in all of NATO countries, because NATO is the real, the NATO countries are really where they were experimenting in all those countries and not others. I noticed that pattern um, years ago. So um, the secret space program that Catherine Austin Fitz, the investment analyst talks about, and you know she tracked that uh, $21 trillion was missing from the American budget and where did that go? And, and positing that it possibly was scooped up by the secret space program that actually began, just to get really crazy here, uh, it began when we brought the Nazis over at the end of World War II under Operation Paperclip. And um, that secret space program was something that John Kennedy tried to get hold of. Weren't there negotiations between Kennedy and Khrushchev for the United States and the Soviet Union to work together on a joint space mission kind of a thing? Yes, finding a way for humanity to go to space, etc. That was the story. Uh, and then, of course, that all ended. And the secret space program under Nazis like Werner von Braun and uh, uh, Dornberger, et cetera, uh, took over. So, so you see how the threat of history, this national security state that we call the United States, uh, goes all the way back to that, it, and it has to do with what's geoengineered. So the first thing they were doing, obviously, was, yes, it was weather. It was to control the weather. Up till then, they had been using silver iodide and really controlling and creating cloud structures, but on regional levels, not on something planetary, not not something really big. Uh, and that that began with Bernard Eastland's patent for HARP, whereby they could heat up uh, the ionosphere 
and bounce down those ions into our atmosphere and in a way make our atmosphere into a mini ionosphere. And that's why I called that second book Under an Ionized Sky. What's the advantage of having ions uh, and, and constantly chemically and electromagnetically ionizing the atmosphere? Well, you can run lots and lots and lots of wireless operations. That's what it's for. And, um, and the military had industrial intelligence complex that Eisenhower warned us of on his way out of office, that's exactly what they wanted. They, they wanted to electrify, to make our entire atmosphere, the troposphere, into uh, an antenna. And that's exactly what we have now. We are living in an, an entirely modified and altered uh, atmosphere. And, uh, of course, there are other things that can be delivered for experimental purposes with aerosols. Now that nobody looks up, people are still, well, gosh, Ilana, isn't that a, chem a contrail up there? I mean, this is like, 20 years more than that this program, this geoengineering program has been running and people simply don't really observe anymore would be the way I'd put it, Crow, is they don't, they don't trust their observations. They don't have the PhDs in plasma physics. So they figure they're not going to be able to figure it out anyway. And they're just plodding along, you know, way before this COVID lockdown in their own sort of personal perception lockdown, where they're not understanding what they're seeing, even in the sky. And that led to understanding that the second operation of the geoengineering, beyond weather engineering, and believe me, all the weather, to my knowledge, is now completely controlled. And Agreed. I, I Agreed. have not seen natural weather for many years. Okay, so the second operation is what uh, Clifford called the chemical uh, slash electromagnetic operations. And those uh, those have to do with messing with earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, all uh, examining them, creating them so you can examine them, plasma and antimatter uh, experiments and farming of antimatter right in our own atmosphere, creation and manipulation of Birkeland currents, which are natural to the universe, and Alvin Whistler waves, natural to the universe, but now they can be synthetically created. Rotating electric fields, the torsion fields, as they're called, uh, on and on and on. All this is going on up there uh, chemically and electromagnetically. Okay, third operation, planetary slash geophysical. I always think of the California fires when I first get into this. We're talking about engineering droughts, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, storms, polar vortices, solar cycles, like the present minim minimal uh, solar going on. You're using them, you're employing the natural, but you're also retro-engineering your own versions of them and taking them a little further. And part of the reason for that taking them a little further, because a lot of natural processes are actually being tweaked so they can be patented. It is still accepted that you cannot patent natural life. 
well, you know, that's great. But what's happening is a lot of things are being tweaked and changed, modified, uh, enhanced, whatever word you want to use, uh, so that they can be patented and and become uh, cash cows. So, um, okay, so planetary geophysical, yes, I have a chapter in this next book on the fires in California. Uh, and then the fourth operation is directed energy weapons, and we often may think of something exotic, such as um, plasma-type uh, Star Wars movie rays coming from space and that sort of thing. But really, DEWs are uh, all, all manner now. And if you can weaponize things that are natural, we have to expand the category of DEWs even further. Example, you use uh, the 60 hertz in the walls of our homes what if that can be harnessed along with the rest of the internet of things in our homes uh, as a uh, as an energy pack for a directed energy weapon um, assault on a person in their own home well that's exactly what's happening now so so the idea of directed energy weapons has to be expanded and then the fifth one is surveillance slash neural and I have those two together because a lot of people think surveillance has to do with privacy, and it does. But um, but I, do I think I actually have privacy? I, I gave up the idea of privacy several years ago when I realized the extent to which um, I'm being monitored just out of maybe a, a national security reason or whatever it is. The surveillance serves the control over the neural network that is humanity. That's our nervous systems, that's our, our brains, that's our, our living natural bodies. Um, and that is uh, definitely uh, a huge operation going on now at, that the uh, Elon Musk satellites are going up. So um, uh, the sixth one is digital. This is the one my book is really about, but it's about everything before this as well. They're all connected. Digital biology slash nanotechnology slash transhumanism. Got them all three as one operation. And I did that, not, not, uh, not particularly Clifford. This is truly the most astounding of all the technologies that are now out and most people have no idea how sophisticated they are. This is the one that uh, that really holds my attention very on a very deep level because this is the one that may make or break uh, the natural human being, the natural humanity. Uh, so uh, digital biology, what that means is and we saw it in Wuhan. We saw exactly this in Wuhan. We saw digital biology working uh, in the 5G uh, city of Wuhan. Uh, the biology up till now has been molecular biology, it's called. And now, I mean, to give you an example, you might have at Fort Detrick, Maryland, you might have some activation, some weaponization of a viral, a virus. And that virus then could be sent to do a, a job, you know, uh, whether it's something uh, that is an attack of an individual or a population, uh, it varies. But now 
you don't need to send the molecule. You don't need to send the virus itself. You can simply send electromagnetically the signature of the virus. And this is a very clandestine, you can imagine. I mean, if you don't have the sophisticated capability to read a signature, you're not going to even know it It passed by you or, or hit you or anything. Uh, and that's kind of, yes, we saw what 60 gigahertz can do to citizens in the streets of Wuhan. It was very, it was very dramatic. To me, that moment was very similar to what I saw when I watched 9-11. When I saw the level of technology that caused people to be leaping out of buildings, ripping their clothes off, that that was not uh, some sort of uh, detonation technology in the building. Yes, there was a backup uh, of detonation technology, the old stuff, but this was something else. And of course, uh, Judy Wood, PhD, she wrote the book that is just astonishing. Uh, Where did the towers go? And um, what what happens in my mind is that the the, uh, psychopaths and sociopaths who are running uh, scientists and technology and, and everything else Um, They wanted to make a statement, so they put it, uh, they make it a world event, and they they put it on uh, TVs all over the world uh, so that you can see how extraordinary the technology is in its effect. But you won't know what the technology is. It's kind of like on one side, they're scientifically minded on the other side, they're magicians. They're black magicians that want to dig into your subconscious and freak you out with the level of the scale of the technology. And and to me, that's what the Wuhan moment meant. So that when the next thing we heard uh, was about New York and Northern Italy, I knew those were separate operations. Th- those were not the same thing that I saw in Wuhan. I I knew what I was looking at in Wuhan. I knew I was looking at nanotechnology and I was looking at uh, at 5G capacity, possibly even higher than 5G capacity. So uh, that's kind of what digital biology can mean, that you can actually send virus or bacteria or, or any pathogen like the Morgellons pathogen that Clifford Carnicum studied very deeply, you can send it digitally. You don't need the molecular thing itself. You just need its signature. So then the next part of this uh, sixth operation is nanotechnology. I've mentioned it, but uh, believe me, this is the most revolutionary, the most revolutionary uh, discovery uh, that uh, I can I can possibly imagine because there is no end to what nanotechnology can be made to do, uh, and then then we bump right into transhumanism because nanotechnology and digital biology are both being used to create 
the cyborg transhumanist entity that has been up till now human and natural and the child of Mother Nature. And this is, I mean, you know, they talk about the fourth industrial revolution. This is the fourth industrial revolution, is nanotechnology. Okay, finally, seven. Let me just throw that out there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I'm not an expert in it, but I'm in touch with people who spend a lot of time on it. The cloaking and obscuration and detection of exotic propulsion craft hiding in and creating their own plasma cloud cover. Uh, and this also includes what Wilhelm Reich and what was called uh, plasma life forms, these uh, blobby looking, uh, I think Trevor Constable's book, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, has at least 30 pages of black and white photos done out in the desert where he and Wilhelm Reich before him ran uh, their infrared film cameras to pick up on life forms that didn't have physical bodies like our physical bodies, but had plasma physical bodies, because plasma is the fourth state of matter, but it's a very fine state of matter. So that's what the seventh uh, operation is, so they can they can have uh, like uh, TR3Bs and X37Bs up there, uh, these fantastic, sophisticated technologies that can hover and uh, zoom into a scene such as a fire or uh, the blowing up of an oil refinery. And you, you can't even see it with regular film. You have to slow that film way down in order to even see that it was there. These kinds of ships of ours uh, hide in cloud cover and create their own plasma fuel and cloaking to cover themselves. Now, does that mean that some of these might be other entities, such as the ones that that Trevor and, uh, and Wilhelm Reich were finding? Yes, yes, it could be them as well. Would you know the difference? Well, I don't know, because I'm just sort of a new kid on the block with this and certainly interested in what people are finding. So uh, all of this, these seven operations basically uh, constitute what, when we see the word geoengineering, which we see very seldom, you might notice, uh, that's what these are. And they all have to do with the weaponizing of the environment so that, um, that we can be gotten to from the outside. I mean, this latest type of genetics called epigenetics. That's really what it is, is we're looking at an epigenetically altered world that has been set up to chemically, electromagnetically, and nanotechnology affect changes in us, enhancements, modifications, but uh, in the future, we'll head toward absolute transformation so that we are one with the AI systems that run us, and, uh, and the internet is everywhere, inside us, outside us, 
and uh, and we're basically looking at a whole new level of slavery, which is why I'm like so on fire regarding this. There's other things I would like to be writing. I thought I was going to be an artistic writer. I thought I was going to be do a lot of things. But instead, I'm born into an era which is under assault uh, continuously. And um, and so that's that's this is the third and last book. And the only reason it's the last <clears throat> book is I, I just think uh, I've. I've expended the best I have, folks, and somebody else is going to have to take up this gauntlet. And these PhDs who are hiding in their careers and also possibly under threat, their families and themselves, they've got to pull up uh, some courage and come out and start backing up this, even though the media is completely controlled. There are ways to back up the people who are on the internet. I mean, I'm finding Facebook to be, yes, it's boring and and there's things I don't like about it, but because I have private sites now, I have a lot of really good research coming into those sites from people who are as concerned as I am. So, so, you know, somebody else needs to come up to the plate because I'm just about I've I've given it my best. I know people are going to get caught up on some ideas like JFK and space, and I'm just going to tell them to get over it. Um, but there's a key thing you laid down as you got going there about the space, the supposed secret space money. And I have accepted forever that the space they're talking about is space over your head. It's our atmosphere. That's where all that money went. You've got to consider, like when I first started shooting chemtrails in the early 2000s, it's like you said, no one would accept it. And exactly like you said, you'd see all these reports on YouTube, but how do you ever vet it? You can't. You can't be there. So it became this he said, she said thing. Uh, It became conspiratorial. And so what I suspect has happened is that the supposed space money was actually going for what we see in our atmosphere. Now, if anyone can look up and not understand that everything that was done back then, and the first time I started to maybe realize it was going on was the late 90s, just not very much. By the time the 2000s hit, I was spending a lot of time filming what I called chemtrails. And the only way that I could try to prove to people this was going on because they refused to look up and they refused to understand that I could take pictures of a day and then predict that the entire sky in Southern California would turn milky white uh, based on the types of trails I was seeing was I went to the engineering specs and engineers had said the modern high bypass jet engine is almost incapable of contrails. Other than that, we were filming to try to get people to understand what was being done. But is there anyone listening who cannot put one and one together? If it is correct, and this is an assumption, that all that space money went into the gazillions of dollars it must have cost to spray basically everywhere, because I've had emails from almost every corner of the world. I think the one exception is northern India where I've received emails regularly saying they don't see chemtrails. How is that not connected to 2020, what we see going on now? That was the queue up, wasn't it? Uh-huh. But yeah. I, want, I want to make a point here. The space thing, I don't accept it. But the space I think they are encoding is the atmosphere that we live in. We live in basically an alchemical flask. And Von Braun told you the truth on his supposed headstone before he went to Secret Society Island or whatever the hell it is these people do. And it was Psalm 191, I think. Uh, It's ones and nines. I don't always get the number. I think it's 191, where he's telling you, last thing he's going to inform you 
is that the handiwork of God is shown in the firmament. We'll make, you know, I say this all the time, make up your mind, Von Braun. Did you launch Saturn V's out of our atmosphere or is there a firmament? I'll take your deathbed statement. But when did this start? And so I'll let you take a run at that in a moment here. From my personal observation, I noticed the lines for the first times in the 90s, but didn't think anything more than contrail of it. When I got up into the 2000s and I realized the weather was being changed right in front of my eyes and all this sunlight being blocked and always spraying across the ecliptic or the path of the sun and the moon, I began to realize that this likely started to become a thing. Lord knows how long ago, but noticeably in the late 90s. Now, to pull around to what you were pointing out, here's another key, and we can we can thank Mr. James Shelby Downard for what I know about JFK, for what I know about radio, for what I know about so many things. Here is another piece of the long game. Within Shelby's writings, the name Hertz, you know, like Renicar, that got attached to what we called in my childhood cycles. Yeah. Your house was running on 60 cycles and they changed the damn name to Hertz and words have meaning. So now think about everything Alana has laid down. And lastly, the idea of what went down in Wuhan. I accept that what we call a flu or what has been called a virus is actually electromagnetic. I know the Germans were going to publish and they were blocked. We've had, I don't know, Jason, what, two or three doctors on to tell you that that is the case. Now think about what Alana is talking about, broadcasting a signature to a thing that is actually electromagnetic in nature. Those are all the things. But Jason, do you want to get anything in here before we let Alana go back at it? The one thing I'm extremely curious about is who's controlling the weaponry? Who's actually dictating these things behind the scenes to make them happen? For instance, who's giving the orders for the chemtrailing? Who's giving the orders for the DEWs and all that sort of thing? Yes, and that's an important thing, Jason, because a lot of people probably think that the president, whoever is the president at the time, uh, is running this, and that couldn't be less true. This is being run by what Eisenhower warned us of too late, for one, Lockheed Martin, uh, for another, Raytheon, uh, L3. Uh, you go through the top 10. Uh, so-called defense contractors, military contractors, the starters of wars, the manufacturers of weapons, and you then go right next door to DARPA, uh, which is creating one weapon after another and weaponizing what was previously not weaponized. And, and you have this military-industrial intelligence complex, which I would have to say having watched uh, the last four years in the U.S. very carefully regarding who actually has their finger on the button of the geoengineering, which I mainly watch via uh, symptom symptomatology in people, uh, who's getting the sickest with what, and, uh, and with uh, various extreme weather events like uh, hurricanes and uh, earthquakes and things. Uh, so I would have to say it's, it's what we call the deep state, what uh, Peter Dale Scott uh, ori originated that excellent term. Peter Dale Scott said that the deep state is not exactly the same as the shadow government. The shadow government is maybe the mechanism inside the deep state. Uh, and for me, for my money, 
the deep state primarily is global dynastic uh, bloodline families who have been here for centuries, and it would be all the defense contractors that are running uh, the big programs like uh, Lockheed Martin is still running the Space Fence program. And the Space Fence program, while it may sound very cryptic to people who haven't read my book, once you read the book, you see how the infrastructure has been set up. And some a term that people are familiar with is the smart grid. And the smart grid is basically uh, the infrastructure on a very large military industrial scale uh, of uh, uh, of the uh, space fence. That's basically what the space fence does. But what I didn't know when I wrote that book uh, was how DARPA had been investing masses in biotechnology. And biotech is the name of the game now. Now, you know, you you're we're talking about the difference between a chemical trail and a contrail. Well, to me, uh, I left that question in the dust a long time ago because uh, even, uh, I don't know that there are any contrails except maybe a small jet able to go high enough to get those ice crystals. And maybe that, you know, I can see one once in a great while with some teeny weeny little jet way up there. But, uh, But the commercial jets, the military jets, all of them, they're all they all burn the same fuel, whether it's biofuel or non-biofuel. It doesn't matter. They're all chemical and they are delivery systems. And that's the important part. It's not just about the weather, it's about us. We're breathing this stuff. We're taking it into our lungs. Our food is covered with this stuff. And uh, you can wash it till the cows come home and it will not go anywhere. You will still have it. It's in our water supply. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been, the whole world has been impregnated with this. Yes, nanotechnology is, nanoparticles are natural uh, in many, many ways in the world. And they were here a long time ago. It just means they're tiny. You know, one nano equals one billionth of a meter. Uh, and now we have the instruments by which we can look at these, or at least the big money people do, like an uh, electro uh, uh, microscope. So these things are being retro-engineered as nanotechnology, and um, and things can be built with nanos. Nanos are uh, built by laying one atom next to another atom, etc. Odd, odd infinitum, uh, and then you can you can build a building. You could build a, you know a robot. You can build a lot of things with nanos. But what if you're using nanos as a delivery system into the human body? Uh, The human breathes them in. They go into the lungs. They then go into the bloodstream. They then easily slip through the blood-brain barrier. And now they they are in touch because they all have tiny, tiny microcomputers in them. Uh, Believe it or not, yes, very, very tiny. And they are in touch 
with the motherboard somewhere, the AI motherboard or the the laptop boys, as I call them, uh, and they deliver data. They deliver biometric data. They deliver uh, any kind of data, and then they bring data back to program themselves, to reprogram themselves for whatever their masters uh, at a distance have decided they want them to do. That is what this means is that we have this entire network in us. And so when I listen to Elon Musk, who is telling me that I'm going to need minor surgery to have this wonderful neuro mesh put into my brain, I know that, yes, for some people that may be true, for prime ministers and presidents and whoever is so-called in charge, they may have to have individual surgeries for that. But for me... Uh, I'm I'm breathing it, and it's uh, it's self uh, replicating, self assembling, self healing. It is a complete uh, scaffolding system taking over my nervous system, inch by inch, taking over my tissues, inch by inch. I mean, you know, I hate to freak people out, but this is how transhumanism is being done, not by. Uh, vaccination injections. No, no, the entire environment now is impregnated by this stuff and we are taking it in and it is being run remotely through our wireless ionized world, our atmosphere that uh, is has, I mean, how many operations are ongoing? I, I, there's no way to even count it. Uh, and this has all been done right in front of us that's the, the amazing thing. But because it has to do with the tiny world, the micro world, not the macro world, we, we, we don't have the instruments. I mean, you think about our ability to, our vision, our, our senses, our senses are confined in the electromagnetic spectrum to a tiny, tiny little slice while all spread out on both sides of our abilities are gamma rays and, uh, and, and, and near infrared and all, I mean, you know, this is, this is our condition. And this is why this stealth approach has worked so well. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant, uh, but it's it's nefarious because there is no um, we have not seen any of this in Congress. I mean, even nanotechnology that basically slipped through Congress in 2002 without anyone noticing that. Oh, yeah, great idea. Let's do it. No tests, no debate. Uh, it was another way to make money in America. Everything's for sale. Make money, make money. So this this is how uh, this weaponizing of the environment was done right in front of us. And that's why it's going to be so hard for people to get hold of that. They're going to continue to think of sickness as this, that, or uh, the other diagnosis. When really the bottom line now is nanotechnology. All right. So we're about out of time. We're going to have to wrap. But here's the thing for everyone who's followed, you know, Jason and I, people go back and they listen to episode one, two, three, 20, and they say, how is it still pertinent? Well, it's because we've all been talking about the same thing. We knew there had to be an end game with what we could see going on. So when you go all the way back to the year 2000 and you're filming chemtrails, how can a reasonable mind not catch on that that's groundwork being laid? for what we're going to live in 2020. 
and 2025 and 2030 and on and on it goes. There's a lot of ideas laid down here, but can anyone deny the total kind of mad grasp for complete control of everything? Well, maybe possibly calling the population. I, I just started getting bombarded with emails a day or two ago uh, that, what is it, Denmark, or I forget where it is, uh, wholeheartedly voted that every person will be forced to be COVID tested and inoculated. Um, you can see where this goes. This is all based on nonsense. So if you're a reasonable human being and you see all these things being laid down around you, the main end goal has to be obvious. There's a spiritual war at foot. And it has to do with the spirit of a human being, and it has to do with the freedom of a human being, and it has to do with the control, wholesale control of a human being. So that's really the main takeaway here. Jason, you want to get anything in before I wrap up? Well, the nanotech is the thing that is definitely on my mind the most because it could be anywhere, couldn't it? It's so small. Mm -hmm. You would imagine that it won't be long, uh, hopefully not too far past long before people will begin to demonstrate these things. Although, you know, Alana nailed it. I remember when the red wine test was going on and everyone's sitting there going, is this hearsay? Is this crazy conspiracy or is this real? And that's the downside of the internet. It was so easy to make everything look completely conspiratorial and crazy, which is why I took the tack I did. I just showed images. I'd go out and film and say, I'll come back and film in two hours. Whole sky will be milky. But that does bring hour one of 266 to a close. Join us on the other side at Crow Triple Seven Radio, C R R O W seven 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 radio.com for hour two of episode two sixty six with Jason Linger and Alana Freeland. And there's no way in hell this will run on YouTube, so you're already on the site. But there it is, man. Cheers.
enemies of knowing. Huh.